how to start? Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome back to the show. Here I sat down with Tom Zimney, the director of Netflix's Sylvester Stallone doc, Sly. He's also known for working with Bruce Springsteen and Bob Dylan on a number of music videos, and he's the director of Elvis Presley, The Searcher, The Gift, The Journey of Johnny Cash, Willie Nelson and Family, and of course, his new film, Sly, the nearly 50-year prolific journey and career of Sylvester Stallone, who has entertained millions, is seen in retrospective and an intimate look of the actor, writer, director, producer, paralleling with his inspirational life story. In this interview, we talk about shifting from editor to director, not telling Sly in a linear fashion, not forcing a perspective or point of view, themes on fathers and sons, themes that had not yet been overanalyzed about icons such as these, avoiding shorthand versions of history, and what Stallone taught him about ambition. You know, what led me into filmmaking was being in the world and and being dyslexic and not being able to read or write in a comfortable space. And um, what that did was it gave me this um, feeling of not being able to express myself. And music suddenly became this great messenger, a messenger to tap into because um, it, it was giving me a place in the world. And I listened to music really deeply as a child and then also started to get really um, obsessed about film. And one of the first things I did was record on a cassette the movies that I liked and would play them back. Um, and that led to uh, my imagination leaning towards the cinematic world. By playing these soundtracks, I could dream up some of the scenarios of the films themselves, but also mentally imagine it differently. Um, and then the power of editing, I stumbled on. When I was 18, I I rigged up an editing system and, and then by getting two VCRs and hitting play and record, and the power of putting two images together suddenly became um, an obsession. And the power of putting two images together gave me a chance to feel like I was writing something I can never do. And also put, put myself in the world where I could express feelings. One of the first things I, I, I made was with music and, and ironically it was with Bruce Springsteen's um, music. And I started to piece together very crude music videos and work with documentary footage as opposed to stylized music video footage so what i was doing was really reenacting what i ended up uh, which was really starting um to understand the power of cinema and the language of cinema and also um find a place in the world you see that approach is kind of um going through the editor to become the director like how do you kind of think about that I, I i think you know that is the exact approach that led me to directing was that as an editor, um, 
as an editor, you you have this great opportunity to see a, a variety of attempts at communicating shot sizes, um, composition, lighting. You are studying and preparing for, in some ways, to collaborate with a director and take on the vision in, in this collaboration when you're cutting. But the other thing that the editor has is, I, I would say, is a little bit more of a um a quieter ego the editor you know you're in a cave and you're you're looking in the dark at these images and you're building a world when i got to the place of wanting to direct i had to uh let go a little bit of that headspace um because you need to command a set and you need to talk to people and you need to get your ideas across differently than in the cutting room so the, the evolution for me to to becomes a director was through just cutting and and being influenced by people um i i i'd cut a film with alex winter um uh who's a great filmmaker and 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 that was a, a great lesson in in watching a director work uh really important um key relationship in my life where i i just watched him tackle a narrative script but also have uh bit of an adventure in in taking on reworking scenes reworking dialogue and um a big part of the cutting for me and directing now is that there's a blur between my roles i i the, the sylvester stallone doc i uh ended up cutting and um that was a great experience but i'm wearing many hats so you're having this conversation with yourself as both editor and director all the time and um that, that can be tricky. That can be tricky to get the distance that one needs um, when you have those two roles. So, um, and they're two different egos. There's just two different headspaces. The Sly film was such a complex edit. I think it was one of the most complex films to cut because there was so many details in his narrative and not telling it in a traditionally linear fashion was always um, the idea that I had from the beginning, but um, you you needed to pace and and get in sync with Sly's timing. His voice is an amazing thing because his stories were so uh, rhythmic and and jazz like. So the tempos of of editing were were really unique in this documentary and and, and very different experience editing it um, than my other films. To kind of span across your work, I may bounce around some. Do you tend to lean towards subjects that I think of Bruce Springsteen and Sylvester Stallone as these kind of these self-reliant giants? I mean, there's obviously a lot of help there, but there's this intrinsic motivation that's hard to replicate. Do you see a pattern across all your work with your subjects? I see the pattern, definitely. I also think um, it wasn't conscious planning. These are These are male figures in 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 that iconic space um and i have always looked at their stories as journeys where they're both having when they're all they're all having this sense of looking back and being very present in the moment questioning your childhood and at the same time questioning where you are in the world today with that celebrity Th that that's kind of dual battle of 
you know, childhood being really close and an influence on on the art, and at the same time, a reckoning of of who you are in the moment. I think um, I think a lot of the films have been a a, a, a journey uh, looking for a lost father, hmm. and I think that um, those stories have stumbled my way. And and when I w- look at the the film with Sly, there's you know definitely conflict with him growing up with his dad obviously bruce springsteen has written about that he was in his broadway play so these are themes that willie nelson i co-directed with Oren Wooverman. um willie nelson came from a place of of his father and mother leaving him and growing up in music what i what i connect to with these figures is this feeling of where we started actually it was just is is where 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 did their lives change where what what age did they find the connection that 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 magic trick of defining who they are and for sly it was cinema much like elvis it was r&b and and music sly had an early early connection to going to the movies to take him out of the world that he was in and also the uh, a movies that came from a classic hollywood cinema which was based on a lot of times an idea of hope change and he held on to that as a child and he created a cinematic world that really again and again in the doc i the word hope came to the forefront and and i think that's that that's a an example of slides growing up watching film where there are happy endings and there are moments of character change but also the power of of all these guys, uh, whether it's Bruce Springsteen or Elvis, is that that original message gets sent to you in the world. For me, it was a uh, 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 watching movies on television and escaping and editing. For for Elvis, it's R and B and gospel, a mm-hmm. sound. Uh, and for Sly, it it was skipping school and going to the movies. What are your thoughts about to, to kind of relate it to the the book world? There's a big difference in trying to write a biography and trying to write a memoir or trying to pack everything in there. Um, with your movie, like you mentioned, Elvis Presley, The Searcher, when do you start to see, okay, maybe this is the thread? Or are there some where you're trying to like, no, I gotta pack it all in though? Like, how do you balance those two things? Great question. Um, I think the I think I chase after the things that are interesting to me that also feel like they're not a shorthand version of the celebrity and their journey if you look at elvis presley the story of shooting from the waist up when he was on television has been repeated a thousand times i didn't know what to talk about in that segment of the documentary so i would stare at the footage and then I made a list of all the songs that he performed on Sullivan. And then I realized that what was interesting to me was that he was singing songs that at the time were, were songs that were 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 um, not played on white American radio. They were rhythm and blues songs, uh, sometimes called race records. And, and that idea of the set list of Sullivan um, was never looked at. And that's the detail I chase. That's the thing that gets it away from um, a a shorthand version of history. And with Sly, there were certain stories of Rocky that 
were out there. But I don't think um, what was expressed was the idea of him making a world as a screenwriter. And in the documentary, again and again, I, I got to a place where I was feeling like, oh, this is new information. This is this. I have to chase this in the edit. This is a theme that's not been explored. I've ever heard about his relationship with his father was never talked about in this manner. And there's many stories that I just knew instinctually he was sharing with me that just have never been told in the world. So that's an enormous trust. And in this film, especially I had that balance because it's such a rich life that Sly has had that I, I had to chase the themes that naturally would come back to the conversation all the time. One being his love of cinema and defining a world. The other being his relationship with his family, his father and his past. When I've interviewed some historical fiction writers, they'll look to uh, older books. A lot of riches are in the footnotes for for them. Do you have a place that you start? Is it just, or is it just like I got to put a lot of time in and see what stands out? Like, is there a balance to that? You know, um, I'm careful not to. Uh, I'll, I'll reference the work with Sly and the work with Johnny Cash. And even Elvis, I was very careful not to bury myself in in books that had a particular POV. Mm. These are iconic artists. So a lot of times you can trace where the shorthand comes from. This POV of Elvis came from this writing, this came from this book, or this particular doc or or film. So I'm always I'm always looking at the day by day. And what that means is you look at the life of Sly and you try to break down year by year, day by day, as much as you can get. And that means just pouring over reference books or the year and seeing, okay, this film was made and let's look at it. And in that, I just build a sketchbook of ideas and, and notes with Elvis, there was a lot of details that didn't end up in the film, but emotionally would drive me to a certain place. One was um, with Sly that um, didn't really end up in the film was uh, a detail of of his childhood in Hell's Kitchen. You know, the way he painted the room and 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 how it looked. I, I, I'm always open to chase a certain theme even when i don't understand why i like it when i look at sly's the documentary when he started talking about his relationship with his father and the difficulties one of the things he referenced was the horse and that they had and, and playing polo that was a small passing comment but i could feel that there was something there and i looked at it and did a little bit of research and saw that he played throughout different times of his life and I circle back to it I don't know why but I heard in his voice a tone of some pain and some things there and that led to in the documentary him really exploring his relationship with his dad and and the sport and how it ties in so you chase you chase details and facts but for me I always try to remain open because with Sly especially he was throwing so much energy at you he's throwing so many different details you have to know the story, but at the same time, be willing to reboot 
and refocus. You're suddenly, you thought you were going to be talking about childhood at the beginning of this interview, and he's in the space where he, he's talking about Rambo, the character. Mm-hmm. And you have to carry the research you have done, but never force a POV. Let 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 the artist go in and just tell you, you know, the, the journey, the story. And many times it's it's in the listening that you make these films. It's not your questions. It's in the listening. When there's that pause and someone goes on to explain more, you cross into a space of truth and sometimes honesty that you couldn't imagine ever getting as you scribbled a few questions or a few ideas. I want to talk about Sly's childhood. I want to talk about the impact of celebrity. And with Sly, again and again, he would bring me to this place of almost quiet where he would say something, stop. I would wait, not follow up with another question. And then he would reveal a detail of his life in a personal manner. And that just came from looking at the documentary and saying, Sly's got so much energy. I'm not putting him in a chair. I'm not going to lock him in the room with a bunch of crew standing there looking at him. I'm going to give him space to riff, talk, jump around, confess, confide, whatever whatever the tone is in the moment. And that that was a real freedom as a filmmaker and also a real freedom for him to go to that place. And um, I think if I described it beforehand, he wouldn't have given me the space to do it. I think it just all happened organic. And, and I've said this before, but it's really true where Sly gave me the greatest gift because it was time and trust. And those are the elements of, of filmmaking that I, I hope and pray for, because if you, if you, if you don't have time with someone, you don't have that element of revisiting and unpacking the past and talking about things in a real manner, then you get sound bites. When you come across your theme and you have the North star for the film, does that make the editing easier? Like, is it binary? Yes or no, this is right. Or is it still pretty difficult all the way throughout? I think on the Sly film, this was a tricky film to edit to the very last day. Tricky in the sense that a film will talk to you. It'll tell you, you know, there's a period in in, in the editing process, and this happened especially with Sly, where the film becomes this person in your life. And there are certain things that you're trying on it, and you're trying to hang on to it and make it work and introduce this one more thing that you really at times look at and love and the beauty of, the, of working with people like bruce springsteen and 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 his producer john landau is that being around them i've watched them take on the ruthless role of editing and an editor in in the music selection and i've made films about that what i'm saying is that there's a lot of times there's a clear theme that comes but it doesn't serve, uh, and you have this moment in the film, and this moment doesn't serve the theme, or the it's not part of the journey of the movie. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is is really the high of editing. It's when you you look at it and go, I love this section. It's really cool. It works. It's so great. It looks vis- visually fantastic. But it's not really 
doing anything in the movie because we've done this, this, and this. And actually, this idea is a little bit of repetitious of this idea. And I wonder if I'm just going to let's just do it. Let's just take it out. You play it back and the movie talks to you and literally will say, thank you. You, you, you know, you, it just flows. And this, and it's, it's an unexplainable moment, but I've watched and witnessed that as an assistant editor, as an apprentice in cutting my first films. And then as a director, there's this moment where the film talks to you and it will tell you if, if you stay in tune with it, it will tell you when there's a detail that needs to be fleshed out or when you can emotionally move on carrying everything forward because that's what you want to do this film with sylvester sloan i didn't want to check every box of his career of his life but i wanted you to have a sense that you were having a personal conversation that really um helped explain some of his motivations as an artist and also gave you a sense of him as a person in the world so it's not celebrity driven. It's not a bunch of talking head celebrities saying Sly is great, great as Sly. It's really a one-on-one -on -one with Sly where you get to see him think, think on camera, uh, pause and, and emotionally um, reveal, reveal, reveal the happiness, the joy, the pain. And for me to have that unfold in the camera, in front of the camera, that's, that's key. That's key because it's a great gift because you see the person thinking and you don't get that in a talking head set up where someone's sitting in a hotel and I'm sitting across from them going, next question, next question. It just doesn't happen. Things get condensed and history becomes shorthand and you're not getting at truth. Does everything you said, your thought process, does that lean you more towards making films or maybe even shorter films? Because I'm sure this could easily be an eight-hour series. Like, how do you kind of make those decisions? Again, I um never put the re I've never put restrictions on the time. Um, but I'm aware of of how um a story feels. Because as an editor, you build in that DNA of viewer. And, and the viewer, if you're honest with watching a film down, you start at the beginning. It doesn't matter how many times you've watched it. And with that, you can read how long a film can be, be or should be. And you also have to carry in the knowledge that in the beginning, you don't have to think about it too much. It will be too long it will drag all those disappointments will be there it's really how you embrace the process um i made a film on willie nelson that is going to come out down the road and that was four parts and um that's an epic story and it had to be that way but the other films i i tend to um keep in, in the more of the like the sylvester sloan film uh more in the 90 minute area because i'm really focusing on um a story that's a journey and within that 90 minutes you can get the emotional impact of a life as opposed to four hours that's every detail i haven't I, I there's no high to 
to cover everything that way because we have everything accessible right now. If you do want to go down the road and look at some of the other films, that's always there. But for me as a filmmaker, I like to have an experience that I can share with you. This is a this is a story of Sly, and we're telling it this way. Where it's not going to be the you know A to Z breakdown of each movie and every year and every relationship and everything that's impacted him. It's it's a, a selected take on um, something that creates an arc of themes that hopefully will move you outside of the Sly story. I mean, if I really focused on with Sly, every single one of his films that would throw off the balance for a viewer to be able to step into it. Because the beauty of Sly in this documentary is that he is sharing universal ideas of hope, um, sharing stories of parental pain in a way that for me is much more powerful and, and joy. Um, but it's, it's much more powerful than a listing of box office and achievements and dates and time. Those things sort of pass by, but getting someone to really talk about their place in the world and, and how they created through their art a sense of hope that's that's really hard and and that was the gift that sly gave me in these conversations anything stand out to you or maybe shape the way you think about your own work and like i really think about him as like discipline and longevity uh, i mean it's it's insane what he's been able to do with these different franchises uh anything that like in your time with him changed the way you think about your own work or what's next for you absolutely i think i was always influenced by sly in the room but also in the edit room, there is a voice in that documentary that would just stop you in your tracks and make you think about your life. Uh, the idea in the, you know, in the doc that life is a speeding train and you can't, it, and life is going by and you're getting a glimpse and you, you can't hold on, you can't slow down time. I started that right away because I, the film that way, because I started the film with that quote right away because I connected to this idea and watching it in the editing room again and again, watching the dailies and watching his voice and his face and the gestures and the ideas, he would stop you in your tracks and make you think about things. I think I had the same experience and I still have the same experience working with Bruce Springsteen, where if you tap into the voice, you you get caught in that journey of reflection and you can't help but look at your own life and say, where am I in the world? What have I achieved? And Sly, Sly just inspired me at, on, on so many levels because the doc, I had this opportunity to stand in a little bit of his shadow with the idea of making a film that people could step in and feel themselves and also feel inspired healed relate to the saga if you think about the rocky film he 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 created such or if you think about the film world of stallone he created such um he created such powerful characters that give a sense of hope and then if you think about his life it was the the opposite so through the body of work and through the discovery in the edit room i realized that i wanted this doc to reflect those themes that his art has 
has shown me, which is a deep, rich life full of good, bad conflicts, the reality. And at the same time, end it with a sense of, of um, gratitude, redemption, and hope. What is to um one or two more? So assuming you didn't have your own body of work and you're approaching a subject, um, is it something you may still do today or giving advice to young documentary filmmakers? How do you develop the trust in the beginning? Um, what are some conversations you might have? How do you go about that? I think the um key for me in reflecting um how to get a space of trust with someone when you're interviewing them is uh early on someone talked to me about the idea of um not cutting someone off with an agreement and i didn't understand at first what he meant but um a simple act of nodding your head and listening you might think um gives the person that feeling of that you're taking it in but it also tells you that in conversation things are sometimes wrapped up mm -hmm. oh i see yeah okay yeah oh, oh okay and a person will put a period to the thought so the most powerful thing i feel like i was able to learn in early days of making film was to um, have a sense of gratitude for the space that you're in. You're in this person's world. They're sharing, be aware of that. And also believe in the power of listening. You might be really excited by something they said and want to do a follow-up question. Um, let the film gods throw you a moment that you can never dream of. When talking to Sylvester Stallone, there would be times I wanted to follow up and add another question. And I wasn't always successful with this, but most times I would give it a minute and just wait. And sometimes in that pause, there was a development of an idea of how he wrote something or a reason behind that he revealed that was so much more powerful than the question I was ready to ask. So it's a dance of ego. It's a dance of space. Trust is really not a mixture of actions. It's, it's, it's more, um, for me, a, a space that you, you, you grow into in time. And it's sort of magical because all of a sudden, the presence of camera and crew and things like that are less. And the person is thinking on camera. They're thinking about, oh. And then they're revealing a part of themselves. And that's a really important thing to take as a responsibility because you're, you're, you're dealing with their life story. And at the same time, you're dealing with that exchange of trust in the moment. I'm going to tell you about why I wrote this or what does this mean to me? It's an important process, that moment of trust, and it's an important dance to, to consider. But as a, I would say to a young filmmaker, you have to um, 
be prepared, but be completely open to what the film gods are going to throw you. And what I mean by that is, I thought I would ask 13 questions of Sylvester Stallone about a particular film, but that day we decided to talk about his father. That day I knew very little about his father. I had to listen, adapt, and be in the moment and have a conversation in a way that could convey the trust that I, I had inside, but also bring him back to a place of talking about his life in, in, in a detailed way. And then also knowing his journey as an artist and bringing that in. So it's, it's, you know, to wrap up that idea is that it's like, be prepared, but be also ready for curveballs that reality and production throws you. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. Before you take off, I want to give you a free gift. I'm giving you my first book, Ink by the Barrel, for free. That's the digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com. Inside this book, you'll learn how to annihilate writer's block by embracing Elizabeth Gilbert's playful trickster mentality. You can learn to weaponize your anxiety with Kevin Kelly's different is better approach. And learn how to defend your time with Ryan Holiday's calendar anorexia mindset. There's just a few other ideas in the book, Ink by the Barrel. It's also based on over 400 interviews I've done right here on Creative Principles. So go steal that book right now, Ink by the Barrel, to learn how to be a prolific writer. You can get your copy that's digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com, B-R-O-C-K-S-W-I-N-S-O-N.com. And if it's your first time here, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Make sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode.